Welcome to this week's episode of Walking Between Worlds. I'm your co-host, John Mazzarella. And I'm your other co-host, Kylie Trout. We know that we all see the world differently, so join us as we walk through those differences together. Welcome to Walking Between Worlds, presented by Culture Bound. So are we ready to go? I think we're ready to go. Okay, let's get started. Let's do it. We are in the middle of the, or the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> mm. The coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19. COVID-19, the, the coronavirus. Um, our usual recu- our usual recording <laughs> studio is shut down because of the virus. So we've had to kind of make do with uh, what we have. So Which, we're actually in a kind of, an, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, we have a pretty good setup yeah, right here. I mean, bad. we have cords going out the door to the yeah. computer and recording yeah. as usual. So just in a. I mean, it's not even that much smaller of a space, is it? Yeah, actually, it might. Yeah, it's not. If it wasn't for all these um, financial documents and drawers everywhere, then it would be bigger than our usual studio. So it it would. That's kind of maybe we should just stick with this <laughs> venue. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, welcome to episode five. Welcome to episode five. We're gonna have. Um, Mark Hedinger again here with us for his his second debut on Walking Between Worlds. (laughs) We had him, if you'll remember, from episode one where we introduced Culture Bound and his wife was here as well, Karen. Um, Today's episode is going to be about how to navigate relationships in a cultural context. Um, Relationships as in just connections with people day to day, not necessarily, not a dating relationship. Just we want to clarify that right Mm -hmm. off the bat. Yeah, all kinds of relationships, because I know that that word can mean a lot of things, but mm-hmm. just how we interact with people and how we how we interact with people and how we relate to people. So, Mark, we're so excited to have you on today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And it is it's, it's such a joy. I just love being here and Yay. talking with you guys and thinking together a little bit. It's it's kind of fun when we put into words the kind of stuff we live in all day long. It kind of like bring our nose out of the out of the the every day and try to explain it in a different way. I love it. Right. Yeah, I love how within the podcast we're able to get some of our content accessible to lots of people who don't necessarily you know, have the time or the money to take a week-long course from us. Um you can I mean you can listen to these whenever you have a spare moment, which is super nice. Um so would you Mark, would you explain a little bit how does culture bound understand relationships? Yeah, I love this this topic because I think one of the things that we bring into the whole area of culture training, there are a lot of people who do culture training, and they do a, a great job. I mean, around the world, you can find all kinds of uh, different groups that that can focus in on the skill sets and how to go about learning and things like that. But we really feel like our our platform or our our foundations are are a little bit different because we really look at the whole idea of what relationship means and we started with that um, actually from a theological study from a theological perspective that said as as Christians we understand a trinity our god is triunity he is three father son and spirit but he's all one that means relationship that means that the father son and spirit have a certain kind of way of going about interrelating with each other and people like us in his image 
are also relational. We, we are never meant to be that person living out on an island all by ourselves. We actually need each other. So we look at relationship as a theological thing. We look at it uh, sometimes as, as the, the interpersonal relationships that I'm involved with or you're involved with. That gets really interesting. We, we can have all kinds of different relationships. We have one certain relationship with the mail carrier who stops by every day and, you know, we say hi and we don't probably sit there and have a deep conversation with him or her because they're busy. They've got something else going. And then we've got a different kind of relationship with our classmate at school or the friend down the street that we sit and visit with for hours at a time. So there's that kind of interpersonal relationship. And then we also use relationship as really a, a way of understanding what it means to move into another culture. We want to give people the tools to form really good relationships with people in a different language and culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to, of summing that up. So now that we've talked a little bit about what this what culture-bound understands relationships as, could you talk a little bit about what we mean exactly when we say relationships? Yeah, uh, what we mean when we say relationships is how do two people or more than two people uh, how do they interact how do they how do they understand the rules of of what's appropriate and and what's right and what's wrong uh, from one generation to another that changes and shifts from one culture and one part of the world to another that changes and shifts so everybody's got a different picture in their mind of what's an appropriate kind of relationship uh, there's a relationship between men and men that's probably different than most relationships between men and women although again from generation to generation and from place to place that can change there mm -hmm. there are all kinds of things so we're really talking about the the rules you could say the the accepted cultural rules for how people are supposed to get along and as we think about cultures those rules change and so a big part of learning how to be effective in a different culture or even comfortable in another culture is to realize, okay, here I can talk about this topic, but that topic's kind of taboo. I shouldn't talk about that topic. Or here I can touch my friend physically this way, but I can't touch him that way physically. And the rules change. So we want to find out what are those rules so that we can have good relationships. There's a phrase that uh, comes from a, a pretty well-known uh, textbook on cultural diversity. Um, it's a, it's called diversity competence is the name of the book, but it's a great phrase. The phrase says, I am like nobody else. Mm -hmm. I am like mm -hmm. some other people and I am like everybody else. And I, I, I love that because as we think about relationships, there's this sense that we're all individuals. We all have our likes and dislikes and, you know, different physical attributes and, and, you know, some of us need more sleep and some less sleep. We, we've all got a personality and that mm -hmm. shows up. So we've all got that individuality. And we also all have basic human needs. Everybody has to eat. Right. Everybody has. So, so we got that. But then in the middle of those two, there's this thing called culture. And that's how who I am relates to who you are. And if we can figure out how I am and how you are to build that bridge, to have that kind of relationship... Uh, sometimes it means we relate just because we're part of the same group. Sometimes it means we relate because we we create this bond between us. There's all kinds of ways it can happen. But as we can do that, that's where the relational piece fits in. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as an individual, 
I have certain values that I hold really strongly. Um, and even like, no matter what culture I'm going to go to, there's some of those that are never going to change. Right. So right. in that way, it's like, I'm like nobody else. Right. And then there's that other sphere of like, okay, these, these lesser values that I have might end up shifting over time. Right. Depending on the context I'm living in. Yeah. Yeah. We actually do a, an exercise with people. We call it core and flex. Mm -hmm. And it's that idea that, that there are some things that are so so core that you're right. If you change that about me, I'm no longer me. Mm -hmm. And we help people mm -hmm. most of the time. If you live in the same place all your life, you're never even aware that those exist because you're never challenged on them. But if you move in with another group of people or they move in next to you and you find yourself relating with them, probably that's going to get challenged. You're going to you're going to have a moment where you have to decide, wait a minute, can I do that totally. or can't I do that? And that's where we start <clears throat> learning how to flex. We start learning how to say, okay, I have to, I have to be core in this area, but here I can flex. I've got, I've got some, uh, some flexibility about things. Right. And that's important because at some point it's like, okay, well, I'm either going to hold on to all the stuff that I think is important and sacrifice relationships with people. Mm. And so it's like, what can I change? Wow. What? Like if, if relating with people is my goal, ultimately how much, I mean, obviously there's a point where you shouldn't change some of those values, but some of those have to, in order to build closer relationships and impact people. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's, I, I want to be careful how I say this because, because both things are so true, but in years gone by, it was almost like if you are a Christian and you want to tell other people about your Christian walk and your Christian experience, you had this long list of doctrines that you wanted to walk through, and you ha you said this is true, this is true, this is true, and I'm all about truth. I'm not mm -hmm. I'm not doubting that a bit, but what I am saying is somehow we want to say these are the truths, and I want to live these out in a way to be salt and light amongst the people I'm with. I want to be. I want to be a part of life. I want to form some relationships. Yeah. And in forming those relationships, I never become un-me. I'm still me. I, if, if, we, if we lose that, we've lost everything. But we want to grow into this other person that can also say, I understand where you're coming from. And boy, I would really like to build a bridge so that you can know the same Jesus I know, even though yeah. your experience might be a little bit different. Right. So there's the core, there's the flex. I can't help but think back to the the first episode where we were talking about how everything is kind of built on a foundation of relationships, and whether it be business, whether it be ministry, whether it be uh, whatever you're doing in life, and just in general, all that's kind of built on how we relate to each other. It, it is so true. So let, let's let's just walk through a few relationships. Let's yeah. think through an intercultural scenario mm -hmm. and think how the relationships play out. So let's start with maybe the biggest, uh, the, the difference of culture between God, the father, son, and spirit and people. Mm -hmm. And you know how Jesus wants to build bridge that he says, um, that behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in and sup. He wants to have dinner with us. He wants to, he wants to actually have a conversation with us deep mm. down in, in, in the depths of who we are. And that happens through his spirit and through his word and through prayer and through all those things that are part of, you know, normal Christian life. Right. But it's relational, isn't it? He, he mm. doesn't say, hey, I, I sent you a text message. Would you just read it and apply it, you know, please? It's, it's all based on a relationship.
So then we could move into me and somebody from my own culture. And we already, you know, kind of intuitively understand each other. We don't have to spend a lot of time talking about, you know, what do we want to do? It's Saturday afternoon. We've got some free time. You want to go to a ball game, watch a movie, whatever, you know. It's not a big deal because I know that if I say to a friend, hey, you want to go see a movie? We're going to be thinking about the same kind of, you know, pretty wholesome movies, you know, kind of fun and, and lighthearted. And it's not going to be a big deal. Um, but if I was with another culture and we just started saying, hey, let's go see a movie, suddenly I've got these doubts. Well, what kind of movie does he think is normal? Or what, what, I wonder what, what their kinds of active. And so we find ourselves starting to say, wow, I, you know, I'm kind of uneasy here now because the things that I intuitively knew at home, I don't know intuitively here. And so the natural thing to do is back away, is, is mm-hmm. to kind of move out of that because, I don't know, this could go wrong. And that's probably not the right way to approach it. It's probably better to say, well, let's figure out how to engage in the conversation and say, what, what movie would you like to see? Or, you know, start finding some more specifics. But human nature is to back out, to, to right. get safe. Yeah, because, and the theme that keeps coming up is like, our initial reaction when we see something we're not familiar with is hostility. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so, and that fi- almost like a fight or flight response, <laughs> like, right. Oh, this is unknown and it's a threat and you view yeah. it that way. And so you want to get out of it. Yeah. And then there's the whole process of, you know, adopting a learning attitude, which is so uncomfortable <laughs> It is when you know, you're going to be faced with stuff that makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. So part of our part of our training, I guess you could say, is we deliberately make people uncomfortable. We put right. people in church services <laughs> in a language they don't understand. Oh, that just like yeah, ugh, makes my <laughs> makes me uncomfortable just thinking about not, like not secondhand discomfort. Yeah, but you know what happens is they learn how to to sit in that discomfort for a yeah. little bit and to take some notes and realize, wow, maybe I don't know the language. But I can observe tons of stuff happening around. I've got other ways I can learn, right. and pretty soon you're not a you're not helpless and and kind of inert in that. You're saying I'm going to go in as a learner, and if you can go in as a learner, then you're actively involved, and the, it drives the fear away. It's amazing what mm-hmm. happens when you change and say I mm-hmm. I have a skill set now to be able to go into those circumstances and say Yeah, I know why I'm here, and I know how to learn this stuff, and I'm going to better understand these people because even if I don't understand the language and even if it is a little uncomfortable, now I know what to do. Right. I I can't help but think about um, some of my own experiences with, even within America, different friend groups, different states that I've lived in. Um, That movie example, feeling that same uncomfortableness when I'm going out to a movie with a different group of friends that I Mm -hmm. haven't seen a movie before with and thinking, well, what movie should I go see? What should I suggest? Because right. I don't know what they think, even though we're all like still from like the Western American country culture here. Um, we, we still have, uh, I still felt that that differences in that comfortableness of, okay, I'm not sure <laughs> right. what's expected here. Yeah. What's expected here. That's such a great question because yeah. we don't know what's expected. And what if they ask us to do something that goes against our core? Mm. Right. And so, and so instead of, pursuing it and saying, well, how can I learn this? And even if I stumble, even if the first time or two, I find myself in a situation say, oh, I'm so sorry, I can't do that again. Now I understand this. Has that ever really happened to you? You know, uh, if you stop and think about it, did anybody ever really, you know, lead you into a situation that you said, I'm so sorry, I'm here. It never happened to me, but I was so afraid of it. I don't know, dozens of times that this might go wrong. 
And it never you know, does. It never does. It might go really right. <laughs> and either way, you, you're alive at the end of it. Like, That's right. Life you, goes on. <laughs> and you learn something and you can explain and you can have a conversation. And I don't know. It's, it's kind of fun. Think about how many times Jesus got into socially difficult situations. I don't think he was supposed to be sitting at that uh, well talking to a single, you know, well, she was she, that the, the woman at the well story mm. where Jesus was, she was obviously an outcast kind of out there away from her whole town, getting water at a time when nobody else was there. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, I'm going to, I'm going to pick this time to talk. And she says, why are you talking to me? I, you're, you're not supposed to even be talking to me. And he says, yeah, but you need to talk to me. So let's talk. And mm-hmm. she became the conduit then for, for all kinds of good news to her whole town. Right. Mm. But it was, it was a socially awkward situation. Mm. So you know what we yeah there's some socially awkward stuff that goes into forming relationships in a new culture but it is so worth it and you learn quick and people people are almost always you're going to find some good-natured people around you to coach you and say mm-hmm. uh, that's not the person you should be hanging around with or guess what uh, when you wear that color it makes us all think something that you don't want us to be thinking and you didn't know and they know you didn't know right mm-hmm. yeah um so one of the times we've talked talked with you about this before you have a great example of how family can illustrate a difference in how relationships can can be carried out in different cultural contexts so when we were in mexico i mean we my wife and i grew up we were both born in the late 50s so I don't know, whatever generation that makes us. I guess baby boomers, probably. Anyway, okay, boomer. <laughs> you saw that one I'm coming, I'm so glad you? you can joke about that. <laughs> so um, so the, the, the great value at the time, and, and really for our whole growing up years, all the way through our 30s and 40s, the beautiful, ideal family situation was... was uh, a man, a woman, and two or three kids that, and, and the kids would grow up and leave and go do something else and live maybe in, t- in the same city, but not too close. And you'd see each other on occasion. And that was, that was like the beautiful life. Okay. And then we moved to Mexico and we started seeing, wow, these families, they all, they all stay together. The, the, the grandparents are part of everyday life of their grandkids and the, the the uncles and aunts are all close by now that sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't i'm not saying that we've got to make that a new ideal but karen and i started saying so i wonder what life would look like if we didn't have this picture of immediately kids as soon as you grow up you know hit 21 and you're out the door uh we started thinking about it in a little bit different way and saying you know what, we're a family and that relationship is going to go on for a long time. That's like forever. Mm-hmm. And so how could that look? And so now it looks like uh, four generations of our family that all live within about a three minute walk from each other. We're, we're all close and we enjoy getting together once a week when we can. In the summertime, we do that. But now there's too many of us to be comfortable in the house in the <laughs> in the wintertime. So, you know, we're, we're doing these things that we saw our Mexican neighbors doing, and we are loving it because it's a whole different kind of relationship. Yeah. And it keeps us a little bit closer, but it also keeps us just involved and gives us so much support for each other. Right. Yeah. And probably more continuity of family values, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, like growing up watching people a little older than me and then some of my peers just kind of starting to move out 
of their parents' homes, you know, they will go off and do completely their own thing. And if their family was Christian or had deeply held values and morals, a lot of those just get forgotten and they go and do their own thing and then they figure out their own way of doing life. Um, which, you know, you could argue if that being a being a beneficial or a not so beneficial thing, but um, you know, everyone in the house for multiple generations, there's a pres- a preserving of some of the deep held family values that gets to stay. Yeah. We get to live that out. I think there's another side to it though. There, there can be a negative side. And I want to say that yeah, too, please because do. not all relationships are, are healthy. Okay. There is mm-hmm. such a thing as a toxic relationship. There are, there are unhealthy relationships where, you know, maybe a codependence kind of thing or, or something where somebody is just so domineering that everybody else and if yeah. we if we were requiring our kids to stay close to us, it would be ugly. I wouldn't right. want that. Uh, we, we don't require it. it. It just is. And and in fact, not all of our children are are physically close. Some of them live quite a, quite a distance away. But that's a healthy set of balanced choices that everybody gets to make, and we can still have a good healthy relationship, close or far away. Mm-hmm. The scary part to me is when in the name of relationship, then people start demanding of one another or, or using being, yeah, like I said, toxic, uh, some of, some of those kinds of really unhealthy ways of interacting. You have to do it my way. And mm-hmm. don't you dare talk about this topic. You, if you talk about that topic, that's taboo. We don't talk about that. And when I start hearing that, I say, Ooh, uh, that's a relationship that that is not going to be uh, helping everybody to grow. So just the fact that we're talking about relationship doesn't make us naive to the fact that uh, there is such a thing as healthy mm-hmm. relationship and there's such a thing as unhealthy. you got to be discerning. Yeah, absolutely. So we got to talk about family structure a little bit. Um, and we also talked a little bit about how we can relate to another person of, you know, of another culture. What, in, what about situations where... There's a lot of different cultures present. Yeah. There are a couple of different things you can do with that. One is that you actually can learn something about all of the different cultures, about yeah, each totally. of them. So it's it's amazing sometimes what just a little thing can do. Um, eye contact. Okay. In, <laughs> in American culture, if I don't look you in the eye, you don't trust me. Sure. Because, because that's what we do. And, and if you don't, if you don't, if you keep your head down and kind of, look at the floor when you're in a conversation and things we, I mean, if I did that, okay. So people are listening, not watching me, but I'm looking at the down at the ground, Kylie, I'm not looking you in the eye. So how would you think about me right now? I mean, am I, am I a trustworthy person or am I, I don't know if I would say you're not trustworthy. I'd just say maybe you're nervous or, or not very outspoken or outgoing, maybe not very confident. Very good. So it doesn't necessarily communicate a lack of, trustworthiness or honesty just that maybe social situations make you uncomfortable very good yeah and i think it also um if you were to be telling me something really important at that point i Mm -hmm. would definitely just kind of assume that might not be true whatever you're saying if it's something really important something that's a a, a big deal just subconsciously i would be like uh i'm not sure if that's true or not or i don't know (laughs) if they actually mean what they're saying that's That's right i like okay now that's because we grew up in a culture where the the understood value is to look each other in the eye. 
and be on that's to us the epitome of honesty and yeah. transparency yeah. i'm looking you in the eye uh, there's songs about it a man's a man right. who looks a man right between the eyes or right? just and like growing up being a little kid having your parent reprimand you for something yes. you you get you sat down you get they get down to your eye level they oh, say wow. look me in the eye yes i'm talking to you and so that gets passed down really quick. <laughs> really quick. I, I do that with my two-year-old right now. <laughs> it's amazing. It comes back around, doesn't it? So now, now let me change the scenario. Many parts of the world, the respectful thing for people to do is deliberately not look each other in the eye. Mm -hmm. That's seen as conflictive, as confrontational. You only look somebody in the eye if you're picking a fight with them. If you're confronting them, that's when you look in, in the eye. The rest of the time, you might glance towards them every now and then, but you don't look them in the eye. Mm -hmm. So let's say you've got a neighbor who comes from a culture that doesn't look people in the eye, and you come from one that does. So what's a relationship going to look like there? And mm -hmm. somebody has to learn the other one's habits. Right. In fact, it's even better if both people learn the other one's habits. And don't read too much into that looking in the eye because mm -hmm. you know that yeah, my way of doing it is one way. He grew up with a whole different set. And yeah, he's trying to do it our way because this is where we live or I'm trying to do it his way. But my goodness, I, I grew up with this. This is this is like forever yep. me. I can't change it that quick. So yeah. that's just an example. But if you can start realizing that, um, how do you greet people? You know, I mean, is it handshakes? And now in the days of COVID-19, we bump elbows, you know, but uh, how do you how do you go about greeting people um, where in our, in our part of Portland, hugs are a whole lot more common and normal. And and so, you know, I'll find myself, you know, enjoying greeting people with a hug all over the place in in our part of Mexico. There was there were un, between men and men, you would greet with a hug. Mm -hmm. Men and women, not so much. And then there were other parts of Mexico where the greeting was really you would just pass pass your hands past each other. You would touch the palms together, but there was not a handshake the way, the way we would talk about it. It was just simply like like passing your palms right next to each other. Um, you know, there's all yeah. kinds of ways. And they're all they all express the same thing. Hey, I'm glad to see you. It's good we're in relationship. I know you. I'm I'm greeting you. But so many different ways. And if you do it a way that's common to the people that you're there, my goodness, you've just made a huge relational investment. You've said, mm -hmm. I not only want to honor you because of who you are, but I want to do it in the way that is closest to the way you go about life. Right. So if everybody has a learner's attitude, it, it's beautiful. Yeah. I cannot tell you how many times in like middle school and high school um, where there would be a new kid in class who was literally had just moved to America from like Taiwan, for example. And so in the classroom, they, I mean, they didn't make eye contact with the teacher that mm -hmm. wasn't respectful yeah. in their mind, but in the teacher's mind, it was like, why aren't you looking at me in the eye? Right. And so I can't even tell you how many times kids would get called out for that. And it's like, it's so embarrassing for them. They don't, they're really trying to be respectful yeah. and they don't know any different. That's right. And so and, and finally, I remember getting into high school and starting to take some like psychology courses and a couple social studies courses. Finally, we're talking about that. And I'm like, man, these kids don't like they were literally shamed for doing this in front of all of their brand new peers. So and they didn't even know it was a thing. And they didn't even know. Exactly. So in today's world, we have a lot of interactions with 
just people in general. There's a lot of people that we come in contact with via social media, via in-person, face-to-face. How realistic is it to have deep relationships with all those people? Oh, what a great question. Um, it's not. It's not at all realistic to think that you're going to have deep relationships with all. In fact, you'd go nuts. You you would you would you would burn out even trying. Um, there are a couple of things with that. For one thing, it makes me appreciate a God who truly can be in relationship with all of His creation. It's right. just a beautiful thing to think about a God who really knows every single one of us. Just the immensity of of what that means. But in in our human you know, horizontal relationships, what that, what that tells me is this. There, there, were, there have been studies over the years that actually kind of group, if, if you take a single person and put them in the middle and then think in, in kind of concentric circles out from that mm-hmm. person, we have three to five people in that closest, really intimate friendship level. And those are the people who know who know us inside and out, who can predict how we're going to respond to a situation, who are going yeah. to say, ah, I know that laugh. That means that you're really upset, but you don't want to, you, you know, <laughs> uh-oh, did I just <laughs> hit a no, nerve? No, 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 no. <laughs> you know? And, and so we have those, those really, really deep kinds of relationships. And that usually in American culture, that would be husband and wife uh, would, would probably be one of those maybe a brother or somebody that you've just, you know, been through some really deep pressures over the years and you've really, really learned how to get along and and how the other one is going to react. Not necessarily husband and wife in all cultures, by the way. There there Mm -hmm. are other places where husband and wife relationship isn't that close in terms of knowing one another. It's it's actually uh, more of a physical and social unit and the the friendships are 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 quite different, but mm-hmm. then outside of that close circle, there's another circle that you know you you see you see several times a week, and you actually have good conversations with. They know you really well, not as well as as that deepest circle, but they know you really well. And then outside of that, there's another circle that you know maybe has a hundred people in it that you know by by name you walk down the street and you say you know hey Clyde good to see you or whatever you know you you know people and you know where they work and you know you know that you know oh yeah that your birthday's in May cuz I, I always see your wife buying a cake about this time or something you know a few things about them but you don't you don't feel like you know them real well and now in our internet world where you know if you look at your facebook page you've got how many friends you know you've got Mm -hmm. and you say wow are those really friends and the fact is yeah kind of probably not they're they're acquaintances in your circle and you might know a little bit about each of them, but probably you have to go back and refresh yourself and say, oh, yeah, that's right. We met at this conference together, had a nice, nice conversation over an evening, but I haven't seen them for five years. And it was only that one time that we were right. actually together. And, yeah, so we follow each other on Facebook or on whatever it is. But friends, no, not quite. So we've got this whole range of possibilities. It would drive us nuts to put everybody in that inner circle. Um and we really are limited to even how many people are in the outer circle. So, so we start using our cell phones, right, and mm-hmm. and our our contact relate our relationship contact software and things like that. So that we've got a way to go back and learn. Oh yeah, that's right. I met you at this place, and 
we have to have some helps to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And it would be totally inappropriate to be to try and have really deep relationships with all those people. Right. Mm. And it's kind of sounding like, you know, the people in your inner circle, they're bound to be people of your own culture. Right. So the people, if especially if you live in a pretty homogenous area. Right. Um, and so the goal necess- isn't necessarily to have people of all different cultures in that small little circle. Cause that's, I mean, if they were, they'd really be part of your own culture. Right. So that gets really interesting. Yeah, basically you're right. You, you, those are going to be the people that you share this, this really common intuitive way of looking at life. Right. Um, I think you've had Lauren Wells on uh, a few times as a guest or, or in we have other, her on for other next places. episode. Yeah. Very cool. She's an example, and, and her area of specialty with third culture kids is mm-hmm. an example of somebody who might actually feel more at home having close friends okay. that are from another culture. So there, there are some groups of people, um, military brats, third culture kids. Brats, by the way, is a common technical word. It doesn't mean misbehaving children. It's <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I heard once that brats refers to uh, British Regiment Additional Traveler. So it oh, actually stood for something. Acronym. Yeah, yeah. I grew up as a brat, so I, I can use the I can use the <laughs> phrase. But uh, so there there are certain groups of people that have been identified that tend to look for their friendships from groups that are that are strangers. You know the the mm, the, yeah. the folks who have come in. So most of the time, Kylie, you're exactly on uh, on target. But there are some exceptions. Gotcha. That totally makes sense. We tend in general to gravitate towards people who are similar to right. us, unless right. you're, you have a specific upbringing like that where you're moving around a lot and you're used to seeing right. different people all the time. Right. And then that's the point that we all have in common. The, yeah. the point that we have in common is that we have nothing in common. And so it, right. it becomes a... So what are some of the benefits of going outside of that circle um, to build close relationships with people from other cultures? Wow. That's a great question, too. When we, when we stretch ourselves and start go through the, the initial discomfort of making friends who are from outside the, our own culture, I think I've used the picture before. What we really end up doing is our world doesn't get smaller. It gets bigger. And we start to appreciate the foods and the flavors and the habits and the rhythms of life maybe of another group of people who who are just different than we are. And sometimes in that process, you find yourself saying, wow, I really like this. I, I, I found a new flavor that I really like or a new way of dancing that I never even thought of. And, and now, now I'm, I'm learning how to do this style of dance or this new music style. Uh, so there's that. There's also the fact that if we're salt and light, if, if part of our identity here in the, in, in the earth is to take a relationship with God and move it into other circles. Well, if we're only around people who are like us, we can't do much of that. They're they're already they're probably already there. Mm-hmm. But if we can move into other circles beyond that, there's there's a great joy in saying, "I know who I am," and now I get to walk that who I am out in front of a whole different group of people and and enjoy the process too. So I think there's at least those two re- reasons. It, mm-hmm. it, to me, uh, not everybody likes it. I mean, I, I, I can appreciate that. There, there are some people, if it's new then it's and different, 
then it's probably not comfortable. It's probably, you know, really, really something to be a little nervous about. There are other people that say, wow, if it's new and different, uh, sign me up. I want to give it a try. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can, I mean, just by observation too, like if you don't, if you don't, if you're not looking to build relationships, there's pretty much inevitable conflict between different cultures. And I I mean, I see that all the time working in public school. Like there's so many people that are so different all in the same place. And there's so many racial issues specifically. That's what comes to mind for me, like right off the bat. Um, There's so many conflicts caused by differences in culture that I see all the time. It is so true. I I really value being able to be a bridge builder. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I just, I I like that role. It's not an easy role, and it's one that occasionally I think, Mark, why do you put yourself into this? Why Just get out of this one. Just don't, don't even worry about it. Just let it go. But the reality is, you know, part of it, it, biblically, we're, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Right. Um, there, And it's not for everybody. I mean, there are other intercultural uh, roles to play instead of just being, you know, somebody who can help explain one group to another. Mm-hmm. But when you can do that and see people say, oh, oh, well, that changes everything. Then I, I I'm, it kind of diffuses situations. Right. right. I heard a little while ago there was a, uh, a discussion about the Enneagram. Oh, yeah. And, and cultures. And I thought that was kind of fun. I'm a nine, so it was. Yes. <laughs> so I'm a bridge builder there, too. It's kind of fun. <laughs> Love our Enneagram nines. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mark. This has been really spine-opening. Even even though, you know, I, I've heard a lot of this stuff before. Every time there's something new to take away. Seriously. It's cool. Yeah. It's always so thought-provoking um, talking about this stuff just because you know, relationships are so dynamic. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, see new stuff yeah. all the time. Speaking of thought-provoking, we got some questions for we this sure episode. Do. Yeah. First question for this episode is, what are some ways that life is richer because you've come to understand someone else's relational patterns? And by relational patterns, we mean what? Ooh, maybe I can have Mark answer that one. He's the <laughs> expert here. So. so when I say the word friendship to you guys, tell me what comes to your mind. Spending time together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing activities, sharing similar interests, or learning up to share. Similar how, how many people are are if I say friendship, wh- numbers of people like one on one, two two people at a time? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. Mm. There's there's some friends that I'm comfortable spending one on one time with, but mm-hmm. a lot of them, it's like, man, I would much rather hang out in a group. Okay. It's more comfortable for all of us that That's way. That's right. Very yeah. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just described patterns. Cool. You just described wow. relational patterns wow. that we call friendship. And those relational patterns that we call friendship might look really different in Germany or in Taiwan okay. or in Argentina. Mm-hmm. There may be the, the, the idea of friendship uh, looks quite different and the activities are different, but it's still that same basic group of friends that do things together okay. and that trust each other it's the patterns okay so i think this question is getting at the why like when you understand why people operate a little bit differently or why their patterns are different how does that make your life richer yeah yeah that's a really good way to cool. put it yeah it's a yeah. good question it's a good question and then the other one is so for all of our american listeners so assuming that you live in the states what are some patterns you've experienced from others that are different and what was your initial reaction to them? Was it 
maybe encountering someone from a different culture, did that feel abrasive to you? And why, why is that? Um, we'd love to hear about your experiences um, with people from other cultures. Yeah. And again, you can send those as a voice memo or just uh, as plain text as an email to podcast at culturebound.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can always connect with us on Facebook as well or Instagram at culturebound or at culturebound.official. On our website, you can subscribe to our email updates, culturebound.org, or set up a donation through our site as well. Thank you, Mark, for being here. Thank you so much. We love having experienced experts to come and talk about these topics. And I love the environment. I love the conversation. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Look forward to having you on again soon. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Walking Between Worlds. We'd love to hear your response to the episode or any questions on culture you'd like answers to that we didn't cover today. Feel free to send your response and questions in an email to podcast at culturebound.com so that we can answer your questions. You can also support us by liking our Facebook page, following our Instagram account at culturebound.official, subscribe to our email updates through our website, or you can set up a donation through our website as well. That would be culturebound.com. We also going to have all of the podcasts in written form on blogs, on Medium, or on our website. So if you would like to read instead of listen, you can also have that choice too. And if you want to dig a little bit deeper into culture and learn more, we offer very affordable classes on our website, culturebound.com. Yep, we have a, an introductory course that's up there for a pretty low price. And that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>